I'm Ruth Sturkey and welcome to Money Expresso, no froth conversations exploring money and life. I know from my experience as a financial planner that we humans are often inhibited when it comes to talking about money. Many of us struggle to see that money is really just a means to an end and that the decisions we make around money can change not only our life, but the life of others as well. I'm going to be speaking with guests from a variety of backgrounds and asking them to share their personal story and the influence money has had along the way. I'm also going to be delving into some of those tricky money and life questions that I've seen my clients wrestle with over the years. My hope is that the shared experience of my guests will help you think maybe differently about money and ultimately make better money and life decisions. Hello and welcome to the first Money Expresso bonus episode. I'm calling it Money Pulls of Wisdom Part 1. Now, as we draw to a close of our first series, I've been reflecting on the broad array of amazing guests that have joined me over the 16 episodes. I've had tremendous guests from all walks of life, representing a huge amount of diversity, whether that be from an age perspective, different professions, gender, ethnicity, and of course, life experiences, all who have generously shared their learnings and wisdom with me and with you. Now, my next two episodes uh, are designed to shine a light on some of the key messages and learning that we can take from each of the guests. Money, of course, permeates to all areas of our lives, whether that be saving, spending, debt, investing, giving, planning, budgeting, mindset or money philosophy. So what I've done is I've broken down some of the pearls of wisdom into sections. And this episode takes a look in at what I'm going to say is kind of financial planning, so thinking about the future, budgeting, which isn't a particularly nice word, so let's call it noticing where and how we spend our money, the two sides of the debt and savings coin, a word on investing, a few comments on giving, and a final piece of pithy financial planning advice. But let's kick off with a word on planning from Barry Horner, CEO of Paradigm Norton, our sponsors? I guess it's the message that's the essence of what Paradigm Norton's all about, which is money is purely there for you to achieve your life goals. So spend some time thinking about what's important to you. Think about what your goals and priorities are, and then make sure that you're mapping your finances to, to your goals and plans. So I mean, that's something that we've learned to do over time, but I don't think it's something that people ordinarily do. And Certainly when I became a financial planner, my dad said to me, I would have loved for someone to have done that for me mm. and, and, and never had the opportunity. So, I mean, there's so many things, isn't there, when you think about money, but for me, that's probably the, the key thing. If, if more people lived intentionally where they were able to articulate on their own or with their partners what that perfect life looked like, going back to the Ben Vogel thing, and then make sure that they've got the right amount because it's not about the quantity or the quantum it's it's just about starting to think about what that life well spent looks like and when you're when you look back in your 70 and you want to think did i do a good job then for me it's just making sure that you've got those two in tandem because i think most people don't live like that they tend to look at how they're spending their money and think how on earth have we spent that much necessarily relate back to their initial goals and plans the core habit many of us can benefit from learning is to understand how and where we are spending our money. 
Sarah Lord, president of the Personal Finance Society, and Carl Richards, an American financial planning guru and kind of thought leader, really, share their thoughts on the importance of this exercise. Let's start with Sarah. It's something that I've said to kind of every client I have worked with from, you know, my first client is the importance of a budget for me that is kind of a pearl of wisdom and I think it is the foundation for any financial plan Mm -hmm. so if listeners do anything for after this is and if they don't have a budget um in place is to spend you know a little bit of time and it doesn't have to be arduous but just having a grasp on kind of income most people know that because it's on your pay slip or you know um various um means but actually just taking that time to understand where your money is going there's some great tools in most from but most banks these days where you can download your transactions and things but just actually spend that time i did it probably it was before kind of the first lockdown Mm. um uh sort of updated the budget and I was amazed at how much this was when my husband and I were traveling into London mm. every day. Um, I was amazed at how much we were spending on coffees. Um, <laughs> yeah, and and like, you, don't, you don't think about it. No. But actually having a budget is the first start to that financial plan and can empower those decisions that you mm. make around your money. But importantly, as part of the budget, I think, where possible, you should always be including a degree of saving as part of your expenditure. Yeah. Um, and just make it, ha- it becomes habit that way. Yes. And so you're always planning for the future and putting something aside for your future rather than it, it potentially being perceived as a chore that you have to save because yeah. it's not part of the budget. So, yeah, I think that's, that's the thing that I'm, um passionate about is, I, I, I really you know, like budget. that it's such a great foundation isn't it and a, a client once said to me oh god Ruth budget it sounds like I'm gonna have to make do or cut back and I said no not not at all it's it's really just so you can notice where you're spending your money and if you don't like the word budget just call it spending plan or something isn't it yeah. I think that word yeah. budget feels a little bit like diet to some people doesn't it yeah and it feels a bit arduous yeah yeah like you're being critical if yourself, yes. and it's not meant it's like not that. no you say it, it's like it's spending and actually most clients that I've worked with that have done that have been surprised that oh I didn't realize I was spending that much like for me for example on coffees yeah. yeah um but others have been pleasantly surprised that actually they don't spend as much as they thought they spent so there yeah. is more disposable income yeah. for them to enjoy some of the things that maybe they've been putting off so. and and I, I like the idea of you actually including your savings or investment as part of your budget not that thing that you kind of try and shoehorn in at the end of the month and now let's hear from Carl Richards about his 30 days and three seconds experiment yeah I think it is closely tied to what we've already talked about like I I would just um yeah, I don't even know if this is advice. It's what I'm trying to do a better job of is just notice the feeling that comes with any interaction with money. So if it's spending, like I, I, I it might be the easiest place to start. Well, spending, investing, saving, 
the feeling that comes with it and start to pay attention. I think all the other personal finance hacks, right? Like cutting up your credit cards or whatever, like all of those things are hacking at the branches of the problem. And it's a little bit like, to use a crude example, if you're an alcoholic, finding a better lock for the liquor cabinet, right? Like Mm -hmm. when you want it bad enough, you're going to find a way to open the lock. So I think the better question is to like, what's at the root of this? And to me, the root of it is awareness. Mm -hmm. So just simply, rather than beating ourselves up over blowing a budget, what if we just stopped all of that and we just started noticing? And here's maybe the challenge. Like for 30 days, I call it three seconds and 30 days. So for 30 days, every time, maybe we'll just stick with spending for a minute. Every time you spend money, make no goals. Just every time you spend money, just take three seconds and just notice that you did it. There's no shame or blame. Mm -hmm. You're not saying that was bad or that Mm -hmm. was stupid. You're literally the only job is to go, I just spent $8.97 at the sandwich shop. And then the phrase I like to use is, isn't that interesting? Yeah. End of story. And I think what will happen, in fact, I know what will happen because I've done this with hundreds, if not thousands of people at this point, is the simple act of awareness will drive, that's not the goal. So don't make it the goal. You can't screw this up. Like you literally can't make the goal behavior change, Mm -hmm. but the awareness will drive behavior change without you thinking about it. And I can give you hundreds of examples. So that's the idea was be maybe just engage in a, you could think of it as a spending cleanse. Mm. I like thinking of it as 30 days and three seconds. Every time you spend money, take three seconds to notice that you did it with no shame or blame. This is not a trick. Mm-hmm. Just notice what you did by saying, isn't that interesting? That yeah. would be the, that that's, that's something that I'm trying to do a better job of. I think that's I think that's I think that's really interesting and a very different take on budgeting. So when people often talk about writing things down, it's because it's a budget and it's about but but that just noticing it and how that accords with what's important or valuable to you. And I think particularly as we're moving out of lockdown and you know, maybe some of us stepping back into what our life was like 13, 14 months ago. I think that's when we will really start to kind of, it's a, it's a perfect opportunity, I think, isn't it, to, to, to start this type of exercise. So, Yeah, can I, can I say one more thing about that? Mm. Like what, that's brilliant. And I would hope, like what an opportunity. Yeah. Because it would, I think it'd be, a, I think it would just be such a shame if we just went back to normal. Yeah. Without some thought. Like if we miss the out, cause so many of us have had these conversations, like what really matters, mm-hmm. right? We've noticed that maybe I don't have to move as much as I thought in terms of like maybe spending time, maybe the simple card game with the kids was as much fun as that other thing. And, and there are certainly things that we're all looking forward to a little bit of travel or whatever, but it would just be, it would be such a shame to waste the opportunity of being like, to just go back to mindless consumption. Yeah. When we've got this chance to reset, I think that's really smart. Yeah, I really enjoyed those um, budgeting slash noticing comments from Sarah and Carl. Some really good advice there, I think, about like, you know, doesn't matter what it is that you're spending, but just be aware of what of what that actually is. Now, most of us at some point in our lives need to take on debt. 
In financial planning, we speak about good debt and not so good debt. The former being money we borrowed to buy maybe a house, student debt, and perhaps a car. The latter, not so good debt being personal loans and credit cards, which typically come with very high rates of interest. Now my colleague, colleague Martin Ruskin, one of the client directors at Paradigm Norton, shared a really personal experience of debt and how the best laid plans can get knocked off path when unexpected life occurrences happen. The, the girls went to, 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 both went to private school um, for their senior years. So from age 11, 12, through to when they finished A-levels actually. Um, I mentioned that we had moved from Brighton to the Southwest and actually kept, kept the flat on, had that rented out, then sold that. So, you know, we did pretty well mm -hmm. uh, in terms of, uh, you know, how much money that had made. So that in effect became the private education fund. Yeah. That was the fuel for us yeah. to think that we could, you know, get the girls through, through private education. But for, any, for anyone that has taken their children through private education, you need a lot of money. Mm. You know, it isn't just the fees. Mm. It's all the school trips to, you know, crazy places Absolutely, around the world. Yeah. Um, so it did, get to, it did get to the stage where actually it became very difficult kind of juggling everything. Um, and so I would have loved to have said to you, Ruth, yeah, I had a very systematic way of dealing with the income. You know, this percentage dealt with yeah. our kind of necessary costs and this yeah. went to our discretionary spend yes. and then blah, blah, blah. It wasn't like that at all. It just went a bit crazy. Yeah. So much so that, um, you know, I, I had to start borrowing um, and that coincided with um buying in of the business so so the income was good mm. but the outcome the outgoings were worse right. um so yeah so it, it it was yeah it it was it was pretty you know it was pretty difficult yeah um, yeah that must have been quite um was that did that feel stressful it's terrible yeah yeah. yeah it's terrible it's terrible and um it did get worse um <laughs> <laughs> it did get worse so um you know unfortunately you know I went through a, a separation and a divorce and you know the financial settlement and you know uh, yeah, yeah it was it was you know it, it was it was a tough it was mm. a tough time mm. so um you know, so you can have all of these goals and objectives about where you want to be from a financial mm. perspective, mm. and then life just mm. throws in the curveballs. And so, what you thought was a was a great plan and a great structure and a, and a you know a great setup, and you could see financial freedom or financial independence. Yeah, something comes along the way which you weren't expecting, you weren't planning for, and it just it's, it's like a you know a grenade going off and just making a whole mess of the things. So, so I would say I got to a position of where I could see myself through. Um, but then unfortunately, you know, the divorce came yeah. along yeah. Um, and yeah, put a, put a kibosh on everything. And it does, doesn't it? I mean, I know from talking with, with clients over the years, as you say, you're kind of going along in a direction which seems really reasonably controllable and you're going to get the outcome you expect and then you end up losing 
fifty percent of your assets or whatever, whatever yeah. it ends up, and it's it's yeah. a rebuilding. If if you had to leave our listeners with one tip, one money tip, whether that's something to be aware of or something to absolutely do, what would that be? Um, well, keep keep away from unnecessary debt. Yeah, yeah, and don't don't let your kids, grandkids get tangled up in that mess. Yeah. Um, and I, it's, it's such a relevant point, I think, at the moment with interest rates being so low, people having short memories. Yeah, I think that's a, that's, that's a great final thing to leave yeah. us with. So Martin. live within your means, so it's fairly, yeah. Yeah, brilliant. Fairly basic. And a few sage words on a similar subject from Paula Higgleton, the recently retired vice chair of Deloitte on her money pearl of wisdom. Yes, and I suppose the key one for me has always been never to live beyond my means. So, you know, I've always been careful about, so I mentioned credit card bills and paying them off every month. Mm. I've really been, you know, tried to be careful about um, not overextending. And, um, you know, encouraged by my parents, I, I started saving, you know, very, very young. I was marched down to the building society, you know, as soon as I was old enough to open an account, you know, with a pound. <laughs> <laughs> so put it in and, you know, my parents always instilled this habit of making sure you saved every week or every month no matter how small an amount it was but you know getting into that habit mm. uh, you know whilst it might be a small amount at first um you know you, it gets increased you're in the habit and uh, you know if you start early enough it doesn't matter how small the amount yeah. is putting away you know uh, from small acorns you know yes uh, you know, greater things uh, grow yes so I think that's just really important and you know with hindsight as well, I think I'd have taken my pension a bit more seriously earlier on. Um, but, you know, hindsight's a valuable thing. I can't believe a tax expert is saying that, Paula. <laughs> when you have your first mortgage, you know, it's very easy to... Yes, absolutely. You know, ...to put as much in your pension as, as you could. But, so, you know, if it's possible, I would definitely encourage everyone to start that as early as possible. And it's funny you mentioned pensions, actually, because pensions have got a bad rap, I think, haven't they, with, with many people? And um, there's been scandals and things and, you know, which has all been incredibly unhelpful. But ultimately, I always like to think of it as just a, 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 a kind of sexy tax advantage, glorified savings scheme, isn't it, really? So it, um... It's a no brainer. Crikey. So we heard firsthand about the perils of bad debt from Martin and what a painful time that sounded for him. And the wise words from Paula about living within your means and starting to save from an early age, really sound advice. But let's now turn to the subject of investing and making the most of your money, whether that's invested into pensions, ISAs, property or anywhere else. Now, we start with Tim Hale, who's a professional investment consultant, and then we move on to William Adressi who's a young entrepreneur and founder of Vitae London, who is building both his business and his personal wealth. Let's go to Tim first. Um, I, I mean, I think in a general sense, my, the, the quote from Jack Bowler, this too shall pass, it is such an important thing to keep in your mind as an investor, which is saying, look, these, these great times, the, the ridiculous Share, share prices of Tesla and where Bitcoin's going, this too shall pass. At some point, it'll all come back to something sensible. Mm. Or when we're in the depths of the global financial crisis or the COVID market falls, and there will be another one at some point in the future, this too shall pass. And I think if you can you know, get a handle around that and just try and use that as, as something to grasp onto at those moments, you know, that, that it's, 
it's always darkest just before dawn. Yes. Um, you know, when times are bad. And, and I, I think that's incredibly important because investors destroy more wealth through their emotions than they do by, by buying bad stuff. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing I would say is, look, just set a sensible portfolio structure. You know, get, the, get some sensible, high-quality bonds, well-diversified on your equity side, probably through some sort of index passive-type fund, and just live with it. Mm-hmm. patience, discipline. And then when you get to the lovely point at which you're decumulating, don't spend it on things, spend it on experiences. And now let's hear from William on his changing views on spending and investment. It's as simple as this. Spend as much money as possible on things that generate money. Um, when, when money comes to me, I think as a youngster growing up, you want to buy this flashy thing, you want to buy that. But then the, the minute you spend on that thing, that money ends, that, that money just, it's, fit, it's done, it's yeah. finished. But in, in recent years, I've realized that if I can spend money on things that generate money, that money is then is a seed as opposed to just a fruit. It's something that can generate things for, for years to come. So now I struggle to spend money and splash on things that are never gonna generate income. Mm. obviously it's a bit hypocritical of me because I said I enjoy comfort um and yeah there's some things that will not generate me money and, and I know that for a fact there are yeah. some liabilities that I splash on yeah but yeah I try my best to because even in Ghana whenever I earn money I'm looking at so I've just acquired some more land I just keep looking at ways because in Ghana you can acquire land for very expensive but you can also acquire some for, for very cheap so I've acquired some cheaper plots of land as well as some more expensive so that in the future I can sell it for more um, or I can start doing projects on it that are generating income. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, once you go into a mindset of income generation and looking for new pockets of residual income, you will start to see that your money will stretch longer. And also, once you have a vision for your money, it, you, you're less likely to spend on things that don't make sense because you know you have a determination for where this money needs to go. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that is the one kind of gem I would, I would drop is seek for ways to spend money in ways that generate it. Yeah, so kind of investing for your future of you and your, and your family. 100%. Yeah. Now, on the subject of investment, I really enjoyed Mark Duggan, who is the CEO of Ella's Kitchen, which is a B corporation that makes nutritious baby food. His story and impassioned plea that we use our pension fund investments as a force for good where possible. Let's just hear that again. Obviously, I'm not a financial expert, but I, but I would say, and I was asked this the other day, actually, there was a, a seven-year-old girl who wrote into Ella's Kitchen, and um, she wrote in to me, she said, hi, my name's X and, and I'm seven and a half. Um, I love Ella's Kitchen, love your products, but really sad that you can't recycle mm. your pantries. So I wrote back saying, actually, you can. This is where you do it. We upcycle them, et cetera, et cetera. She wrote back again. And I wrote back again going, look, I'll come in and talk to your, to your class. And I went in. And I was with them for quite a few hours. And it just happened, weirdly, to be within a mile of where I live, which is so strange. Anyway, I went to talk to them. They were amazing, the kids. We did lots of games. And, um, and at the end, asking questions. And some of the parents had turned up because um, they knew I was coming in. And this little girl had the last question. And she was absolutely amazing. And she said, if there's one bit of advice, if there's one thing 
we could do to help the planet, what would it be? And I hadn't thought about this in advance because I didn't know this was going to be the question. No. And I answered honestly, and this is the honest answer I would give, and this is my one piece of advice um, to anybody listening to this. And I really want them to listen to this because I think we can change the world. I said, when you go home and you're talking to your mum or your dad or both your parents this evening, ask them where the pension is invested. And ask them to look at a proper ESG fund. Yeah. Because yeah. that way we can change the world. Because if you don't like oil companies, there's a really, 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 really high chance that your current pension is invested in oil companies. If you're out demonstrating, you know, you want to save the planet, where is your pension invested? Do you know where your pension is invested? Because it's a huge amount of, or it will be a huge amount of money, a yeah. sizable sum. And if we start to change the financial metrics around this, we can literally change the world. Um, there's an organization, Make Your Money Matter, which is uh, been started by Richard Curtis, who obviously wrote Love Actually and, and, and all those sorts of films. And um, I'm going to steal this story. He, he was talking um, a couple of weeks ago. He was saying he got chatting to a consultant, this lady who was a consultant in the NHS, and she dealt with really difficult um, cancer patients and had saved many, many um, people's lives, elongated their lives through difficult surgery. She was a bit of a hero in the NHS. Mm, yeah. And she recently retired and has realised that her pension, amongst other things, has been invested in a cigarette company. Right. And yeah. she's, she's really sad about this because she, she said to him, I think I probably killed more people through my investments that I saved my entire career. Isn't that something to yeah. think about? It's like, wow, we are all doing this. Most of us are doing this, shall I say, without even knowing. Yeah. And we go back to the cynics at the beginning. Well, it's not your problem. It is our problem. Mm. And it is something that we can fix. So if you're passionate about this, go to your pension company and ask them, can I invest my money in an ESG fund, a proper ESG fund, yeah. one that is committed to net zero, one that aligns with your values. Whatever your values are, just make sure that you haven't spent your whole life doing something that actually goes against your values because that would be like this lady. That's pretty sad. Now, of course, it would be remiss of me not to mention that you should take personal investment advice before making any changes to your investment strategy. Paradigm Norton would, of course, be more than happy to do this and help you with this um, and tell you all about their new Paradigm Norton responsible and impact portfolios, all designed to do good for our planet. Now, a conversation that I've had many times over the years with my financial planning clients is around giving, and in particular, giving money to their children um, and the grandchildren, so their next generations, really. Let's listen to two very wise comments from two very special women who cover this subject beautifully. The first is Genevieve Shaw, who's a former board director of Pearson, a FTSE 100 company, an ex-England World Cup winning rugby player. And she speaks about giving and the fear of scarcity that has been fostered into our society. And then that's followed by Tina Katari, founder of Another Way Now, an organization that highlights human rights breaches across the globe, 
who speaks about the downsides of counting money and the pleasure of giving money in life. Let's start with Genevieve. I don't know if this is appropriate for a Red House Paradigm Milton uh, thing, but I was like, give more away. Oh, I think give it's more bang money on. away. Yeah. Um, you don't need as much as you think you do. Yeah, I um, love that. And, uh, you know, I think you can give small amounts away or you can give large amounts away, mm. but if you're mm. giving, somebody needs it more than you do. Do you know what? I, I think that is a, it's such a strong message and it is, we, we as a firm um, are very keen to talk to our clients about philanthropy. And, and I think there's, there's, there's a discussion in there. And one of the things that I want to do as the, as the series goes on is delve into things mm. like giving more. So maybe we can pick that up another time, Genevieve. It, but Yeah, it would be great to have a conversation, perhaps even a round table conversation. It's, mm. I, I look at so many people and I think, you know, in a wide circle of friends and acquaintances. Yeah. Your kids really need that. Why are you saving it? Yeah. You're going to give it them in 20 years. They need it now. Yeah. You yeah. Know, there's, right? it... But but we are, we have been indoctrinated, I think, somewhat to be frightened about our old age. Yes. Yeah. And there's something there in society that says we're frightened that we'll be left alone. Mm. And we're frightened that we won't have enough money to look after ourselves. Yes. And that's super powerful. Yeah. Um, and, and I see a lot of people, particularly as I get older, where they're saying, oh, I've, well, I'll, I'll need that for my care when I'm yes. older. Yes. That's a tough message in society, isn't it? It really um, is, isn't it? And I, and I think, yeah, I mean, and, and, and yeah, I think there's, de there's definitely more to, to probe around that because, mm -hmm. you know, I, I've got this real thing about kind of, you know, um co co co-living kind of cohabitation mm. kind of sharing much more community type living yeah. and which i you know but you're, you're right there are very strong fears of living and being lonely and um nobody coming to visit and one bar on the electric heater mm. let's listen to tina explain her values and principles around giving don't count it <laughs> ah what do you mean by that well um Someone once said to me, you get what you measure. Mm -hmm. And I certainly think that if I count money, so I've done this many times while running a business, but I've also done it many times myself. There's something about me that, that changes my value set. I then, it then becomes a primary filter as opposed to something that runs in the background. So I don't like to do that. You know, once a year, for example, when I come to the annual meeting or yeah. I have a meeting where I, that's what we're going to talk about then I will go through my papers and I will sort out what I've got and I may I'm, I probably even decide you know whether I've done well or not so well but to count it on a regular basis and I do have people around me that do do that and I and I find that their attention to money supersedes many other things that they would think important mm. otherwise it changes them slightly so that that would be one of the things and I don't know if this is a pearl of wisdom but it's certainly true for me I would rather see my children and the people I love reaping the benefits of money that I have while I can witness it mm. than once I've died yes. so it really is about participating in their lives in a in a benevolent way where they need it I mean they're not 
they're neither greedy nor poor. Yeah. Um, but I'd rather see that than, than have it left for when I die. I mean, I know we're supposed to think we come back, you know, again and get reincarnated. It'd be just my luck to be reincarnated as a mouse or a rat <laughs> or a donkey, you know. But I, and, and if we're not reincarnated, then we've wasted my, our entire lifetime thinking it's going to be better next time around. So I would rather do it all now and see it and, and leave it. And finally, I love this simple money success tip from my colleague, William Pratt, client director and finance director at Paradigm Norton. I think for me, you know, financial planning can get quite complex, but if you boil it down to its simplest, I think financial planning is actually incredibly simple. And it's this, spend less than you earn. And I think if I could, if I could distill financial advice into one thing, it would be spend less than you earn. Yeah. Because whether you earn a little or a lot if you spend less than you earn and save the difference yeah then you're highly unlikely to ever run into any serious trouble and, and i think you know going back to what we talked about earlier on in terms of sending the girls out into the into the world if i could leave them with nothing other than one pearl of wisdom it'd be spend less than you earn and then you'll probably be all right i told you they were good didn't i in fact, there were so many brilliant soundbites that, as I said at the start, I'm actually going to do a Money Pearls of Wisdom part two next, when we highlight some of our guests' more philosophical thoughts around money and life. Be sure to listen out for it. And in the meantime, have a good week. Bye for now. So that's it for today. I hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. I'd really appreciate it if you could take a couple of minutes of your time to go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast to subscribe, rate, and give a five-star review for Money Expresso. Apparently, this helps more people to find the podcast so we can help more people think differently about their money and their life. If you've got any thoughts, comments, or questions on any of the matters discussed, or life and money generally, I'd love to hear from you. You can contact me on Twitter or LinkedIn at Ruth Sturkey. Of course, the conversations with my guests are not intended as advice. My intention is to merely share our guests' money and life experiences to entertain, educate and inform you. Any form of investing involves risk and the value of your investments may go down as well as up. So please do speak with a financial planner before making any investments to make sure they're the right ones for you. Thank you. Mm -hmm.